prison wall I heard a young girl calling Michael Thank you for tuning into another episode of Cozy History. What you just heard was actually a, uh, it was a couple verses from the song The Fields of Athenry. And so, by a lonely prison wall, I heard a young girl calling, Michael, they have taken you away, for you stole Trevelyan's corn. So the young might see the morn, now a prison, prison ship lies waiting in the bay. And so Trevelyan's corn, we're going to get to Trevelyan here in a second. Um, and also the prison ship. That's got like a little play to it as well. But first I want to ask Sam how he's doing. I'm good, Austin. It's uh, we, We've had a interesting time trying to record the past couple of days. We've both been busy, you know, got some job stuff, some life stuff coming up. But that doesn't stop history. No. It doesn't stop the exploration of new topics and new ideas. Um, I'm really excited for this for this topic today. Um, if you want to go ahead and just announce it to the world in case people didn't get it yet. Yeah, yeah. So the topic today is the Irish potato famine. And uh, the famine actually lasted a long time. So it started in 65 uh, there may have been some blight that arrived earlier than that. Um, but the main years are like 1865, so not 1965, but 1865 and 1866. So um, first I wanted to just like talk about a few things. So Irish history is a little confusing. It's an island right off of Britain or... It's part of Great Britain. It's an island right off of England, kind of close to Scotland as well. But uh, it, it parts of it are currently now part of the United Kingdom. This topic, I've got to say real quick, I've, I've got to say, it, this topic speaks to me from an ancestral level. You know, it's, it's, it speaks to my Irish ancestors who got taken advantage of by the sons of bitches, a.k.a. the British. Yeah, and I mean, that's like the main the main point I want to make today is that so when you're doing research, when I was doing research, you'll come across certain sources that'll say, oh, it was all due to a fungus that was called the blight 
and the Irish only ate potatoes. It's almost like it's kind of it's mocking these. It's really yeah. it fucking pisses me off, especially I listened to an in our time about it with uh what's that guy's name? And he's Melvin Bragg. Melvin Bragg. That's a great podcast as well, but he's extremely British, extreme extremely English. And the people he had on were almost hesitant to mention that it was more or less a controlled famine or oh yeah i'll, I'll get to it oh I, oh i've got so many I, i'm interested to hear what you have to say because the thoughts that i have on the potato famine already from my own like knowledge is just so negative and shitty yeah and so, so. first i fucked up again so the famine also i said 65 so it's 1845 that's when it starts i said 65 misnomer Apologies, but apparently it lasted until 1852. That's whenever Ireland was more or less, I don't want to say self-sufficient again, but I know a lot of the, um, a lot of the soup kitchens and the donated rations were kind of cut off around 1850. So to go back, 1844 kind of may have started 1845 main first year 1846 the worst but let me um let me start with a little irish history that just kind of helps you understand what like what the deal is with ireland why is why is the english government basically ruling over ireland even though they're completely i don't want to say geographically separate but they're separated by Number of miles and water. So and faith, and faith. In eleven sixty nine, there was a Norman invasion. So you did some Viking history last last week. Um, we talked about ten sixty six. Yeah, and there was some. It was really interesting. Apparently, there was like clashing Irish kings, and one of them in the north invited these Normans to come and invade, but they just took over. So this is 1169. Um, There was a papal blessing, apparently, because the Irish were still kind of considered heathens, if you will. And this is, so that would still be England, and I believe Scotland was already part of England, or allied with them, what you will. But that was like sanctioned by the Catholic Church. Uh huh. Yeah, this is back when when Britain was still, or England was still a, a Catholic country pre Protestants. Yep. Um, okay. Then comes Henry the Eighth. I forget what year that was. That was like in the fifteen hundreds. But Henry the Eighth, a lot of you may know, uh, separates from the Catholic Church because he wants to get a divorce. His wife won't father his children. He needs a successor. And so he starts the uh, English Protestantism. Is that? I don't know. If it's, yeah. It's not, it's not super important. The main thing is the that. Dis- the dissolution of the monarchies. Yeah. That, or no, not the dissolution of the monasteries. Yes. There you yeah. go. He starts the Church of England. So the main thing with that is that the whole of England is Protestant, and Ireland, having been forced by England to become Catholic, remains Catholic. 
Then there was a period called the Ulcer Plantation. Northern Ireland um, is inhabited by English. So this was partly by the government. I'm just going through these quick. Dates don't matter quite as much. Um, Northern Ireland, so you mentioned part of Ireland now is loyal or part of England. Then the north of Ireland is also the fertile land, the more fertile land. And that was settled back in the 1600s, early 1600s, I believe, by uh, like English royalty, trying to give them off land. Then there's the Eleven Years' War. Um, after that... Okay, okay. Okay, I will say here, excuse me, brief brief interjection. So, as you said, Northern Ireland is actually a part of the United Kingdom. So, it's actually, I guess, um, Southern Ireland that is the Republic of Ireland. There you go. Yes. Okay. Thank you for clarifying okay. that. Then comes Oliver Cromwell's conquest of Ireland in 1649. So, that's kind of part of when uh, Ireland... Probably the last time that they were really just made to kneel to the English crown. That lasted a few years, but also after that, the Irish are like subverted more. Each one of these is just a little hit to the Irish landowners, the Irish crown. Up until probably Oliver Cromwell, there may have been an Irish king, I forget. But... There was an Irish rebellion in 1798, uh, 1800. There was an act of union where they were absorbed into the United Kingdom, but they were never really considered equal. Later, I mentioned yeah. Trevelyan at the beginning, and it's interesting. So that guy actually studied at the uh, East India Trading Company. They had a college. So it was like... Oh, university. Really? Interesting. I don't know where it was, but he lived in India for a while. And just this odd English historical, just to the bones racism. He really, <laughs> he really regarded the Indians as kind of like a higher people than the Irish. Maybe, yeah. possibly because he was able to force a religion on them. I don't know. But um, then there were the penal laws, which I'll get to in a little bit. Uh, Robert Emmett's rising in 1803, and then uh, Catholic emancipation in 1829, the repeal movement of 1840. I'm not going to get into all of these. I'm just mentioning them. Sorry if that's confusing, but each... In every one of those, mm-hmm. there's just little rights taken away from the Irish people. Um, yeah, it's like, what, what were you going to ask? So ever since, ever since like the mid 1100s, they've been just like he said, chipping away. Yes. You know, taking control of of religion, of government, making the Irish into second class citizens. Exactly. And, and basically, probably I guess stealing their resources too. Yeah. The the main thing to um, get from all that is that, yeah, they're chipping away from their rights and that the in 1845, the current, like, average Irish, per, Irish person does not own their own land. They have a landlord and 
they pay variable rent. So they can be evicted. That's hmm. it's almost worse than serfdom. Um wow. it definitely is worse than serfdom, I would say, because the variable rent part, I mean, serfs also had what 150 days vacation if you guys yeah, have they, seen that yeah they, yeah they had they had holidays <laughs> yeah tons of holidays the irish, to make the irish don't even have feast days yeah what the fuck um all they have is saint patrick's day yeah it was a it was a system often referred to uh tenant farmers and codiers i don't know how to pronounce that word but tenant farmers often allowed landless laborers known as codiers, to live on their farms. The codiers performed daily chores and helped bring in the annual harvest as payment of rent. So they didn't they didn't ever have any cash, by the way, or coinage. It was just paying in food, some sort of food, anything agricultural or livestock as well. In return, they're allowed to build a small cabin. This is their whole family of who knows how many and keep their own potato garden to feed their families. Other landless laborers wow. rented small fertilized potato plots from farmers as a uh, conacre, with a portion of the potato harvest given up as payment for rent. So the majority of the farmers are growing all sorts of crops, and then the poorest among them literally can only grow potatoes, and that's for themselves, and then these other people that are living there so they're just like you know like yeah like sharecroppers yeah and all they have is a is a tiny little potato garden so poor irish laborers wow. for the most part are nearly completely dependent on the potato for existence at this point um there was a constant just insecurity about the harvest and what would happen part of the reason that it became potatoes um Potatoes are from South America. They're originally from Peru. If you've seen, Peru has, I don't know, hundreds of species of potatoes. I don't want to go that far, but they have tons of species of potatoes. Eventually what happens is the main species that they use is called the lumper potato. And the lumper. <laughs> yeah, lumper. I thought it was lumber potato, and then I started looking into it, and it was the lumper potato. And other... Oh. Other societies or pretty much anywhere except Ireland, these potatoes would just be given their livestock. They, but wow, yeah, it was, it's literally for like the ox, the oxen. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's just so fucked up learning about this and seeing that you'll see this constantly through this presentation that the Irish have all of this food here, but it's owned by people in England and they can't eat it. And if they use their own wow. crop, the English also, it was probably a little, I don't know, strategic move also. So the lumper potato, it's um, high yielding. It's a pretty high yielding potato compared to others. And also since it tastes bad, there's a good chance that their landlords wouldn't ask for them. And it's a variable rent. So if the harvest isn't good anywhere, then maybe the landlords would understand there were some there were good landlords who understood what was going on but the majority of them not good people not cozy i I struggle to believe that there's such thing as a good landlord i'll say that so the 
north and east of Ireland best, most fertile land. But again, that's controlled by richer people of English descent rather than Irish. Mm -hmm. And then the south and west areas, there's a lot of bogs and rocky soil. So if you guys are familiar with bogs, they're... Eventually, some of them would be able to um, cultivate into the bogs and kind of make them somewhat livable and plantable. But a lot of the times, the only things they could grow there were potatoes. It's also... Okay. It's to be remembered, potatoes are like... It's a weird... And it's not a fruit or plant. It's a... uh, Like a tuber. I don't know. The potato's a root. It's part of the root. And you take... So you dig up the potato, you can eat some of them, and then you replant it the next year. And for whatever reason, they have tons of nutrients. Like, you can subsist pretty much completely off of potatoes. So they're doing this. They And the, But they're being forced to. Like, they're growing all this food, but they're not able to... They, they're not using the food for themselves. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So they have no other choice but potatoes, it's, I guess, it's too. somewhat strategic. They know that the landlords won't want them. The poorest people are literally only growing potatoes, partly for these other Irish that have more money than them. I don't know how to say. They just manage a larger piece of land. And so a lot of these plots are, I don't know, anywhere between like five and ten acres, which seems like a lot. But if you have a family of ten and then other just random poorer Irish living on your land in the outskirts, planting things in the rockier areas. They'd also divvy up this land so that the nicest land the landlord had. Uh-huh. Or the grazing. So they were these farmers were also raising livestock, but all of the livestock would have to go back to the landlord. And if they produced more that year, then the landlord would ask for more. Uh, mountains and bogs cover about a third of Ireland. By the mid-1800s, the density of Irish living on cultivated land was about 700 people per square mile, the highest rate in Europe. So again... Wow. It's very close quarters. Um, it's a lot of poor people living living very close together, and they're all dependent on potatoes. Yeah, so... I mentioned the cottiers. Uh, basically just like a definition for the people that rent a small cabin most of the time they built their own in between so that was in between one and a half acres a lot of these cottiers had maybe the luckier ones had five to ten in which they grew potatoes oats some flax flax you can't eat or you can't eat flax seeds but you have to process them a little think the majority of the flax was probably for textiles. Uh-huh. Makes sense. An acre of... This is just hitting you with some facts as well. An acre of potato field could yield up to 12 tons of potatoes, enough to feed a family of six for a year with leftovers for the family's animals. So, I guess the majority... You said 12 tons? 12 tons of potatoes. Oh, my God. That's so That's... many... Potatoes. That's so many, but also just picture all that you're eating every single day is potatoes. And there's no spice. You know, the English, they conquered India and they put no spices in their food. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> they <laughs> they said, "Oh, you guys have like cumin." No, we don't like that shit. Yeah. Um, well, so you're you're probably lucky if you have like a little salt and pepper. You probably don't have salt and pepper either. I doubt they would have any. They would definitely wouldn't have any pepper. And if they were lucky, maybe some salt with their potatoes. Uh, they so the term is a lazy bed for the way they planted them, which is just everything is just so fucked up. I mentioned that Trevelyan fella, and he comes in here in a second, but. They would visit the Irish during the famine and look at them and just say, these people are lazy. All they want to do is drink and fight. But they have nothing else to do. Also, this is kind of like around the end. This is just after if during the Industrial Revolution. And the English government experimented with industrializing Ireland, but they got concerned oh, wow. about them kind of holding this stake in the industry and also that if you industrialize too much you'll be paying them some sort of wage they may be able to save up and live off of it so they are very intentionally creating a constant serving class using all of Ireland that is subsistent wow only off of potatoes so were they forced? That's the thing. Were they forced to grow potatoes? Technically, no. But that's all that they could. That's all that they could grow. That is insane. Yeah, it was, it's like it's like oh, we could like industrialize. We could set up textile mills here, but instead, we're just going to like we just want to keep <laughs> making them be like Poor and dependent upon English mm-hmm. English assistance. Wow, I mean, so so my biggest takeaway from this so far is that it's been so systematic and it's very purposeful. Yes, it's not. It's not like this didn't just happen. This has been like an English policy that that has been developing for hundreds of years. Yeah, it's th- that's part of the reason too that I included all of those little rebellions and you know something like the irish or the catholic emancipation all of this each one of those is a little chip away from the irish and also the irish are constantly struggling to get their own independence throughout this whole time and the irish potato famine or the british potato famine whatever you will is a huge reason Afterwards, that things like the IRA exist, and I'm not justifying oh, wow. terrorist attacks to Ter- terrorism. <laughs> yeah, terrorism to ensure your own freedom. But when you look at something like this, a lot of people call it a genocide, and then certain certain sources will say, "No, it wasn't a genocide. They grew all of these other crops. They had things other than potatoes, and look at all the aid that was given." It's absurd. Um, yeah, so by the 40s, so now we're coming to you know the what, 40s. You know what it sounds like? You know what that sounds like? The Israel-Palestine conflict right now. Yeah, exactly. Look at all the aid that we're giving them. Exactly. Like, this situation, I don't know why they're so angry. We've been very nice to them. And they're like, these people you just know? want to fight. That's all they want to do. They just want to rebel and yeah. fight. There was a wow. predominant belief also... 
a ton of the newspapers, even in the United States. So it's weird to look at it. There's newspapers you can find, and there are magazines, papers that still exist, like The Economist or um, not the New York Post. That's like the conservative one, but just the Washington Post. There's American newspapers and then British newspapers that would publish articles saying the Irish are just lazy. They don't know what they're doing. Like instead Mm. of planting their crops, they're letting them all die. Um, It's just absurd. Uh, So once you reach the 1840s, like I said, we're coming up on the uh, shit here. About 80% of uh, courtier courtier calories. I don't know how to say this, this word, C-O-T-T-I-E-R, but that's the main class in Ireland. They're just small subsistence farmers. 80% of their calories come from potatoes. And 1845, the population of Ireland is 8.5 million. Remember that. Now enters a little fungus called, so it was called the blight. And it still affects, say, American potatoes today. But we have, uh, like, if if you grow your potatoes at home, um, if they're in a wet, kind of wet, dark environment, which, what is Ireland? That's what it's... Wet and dark. Wet and dark all year. This this fungus called Phytothoria infestans. So it's a water mold, also called the late blight, destroys the leaves and the edible root, which is called the tuber of the potato. This which, was, yeah, which is what you eat. This was brought over in uh, 1844, 1845, like I said, was the first main year. And those years they had like majorly dark and wet conditions. The first year... It destroyed just around, like, just under half of their potatoes. So that's 1845, the first year that it was really noticed. And then the second year, 1846, it destroyed 75% of potato crops. Wow. It's, uh, yeah, it's, so 75... 70, 75% is crazy. 75%. And this is the only thing that these people eat. The blight was brought over on an American ship. They figured out. And if they were able to... I mean, it didn't affect any other agriculture. It was literally just the potatoes and species like that. But 75% of what people eat by 1846 is completely dissolved. They would pull... They'd reach in the ground to harvest their potatoes. Also, they called it the lazy bed technique, but you don't have to plant potatoes complicated. They also have rocky ground. It's not good soil, so you can't just dig up and plant them deep. You literally turn the soil over, throw in a potato, and go. And the potato, it's it's a root, so it just creates more. The plant would be look diseased. It would be sagging, and if you pulled it out of the ground, you dug them up, some of them may look like normal potatoes when you break them open they're just goop so so you would ha- think you have a nice potato and then you crack it open 
and it's just rotted it's goop on the inside. On the inside. So the blight Oop. eats the entire potato plant, and then after it takes what it wants from the uh, the like potato itself, other bacteria just come in and destroy it. Pretty much eliminates the potatoes. Natural, I don't know, would you call it immune system of a potato? But so people, this is all that they have, and they would try to eat it, and some of them would die from just eating this goop. Like, wow. I don't know how many just people, probably potato. hundreds, thousands of people, maybe even because they didn't have anything to eat. Because of this, so the population was. 8.5 million people in 1845. Mm -hmm. By 1901, the population was half at 4.4 million. And the population today is only at 5 million. So Wow. So it never got back up there. So out of 8 million people, one whole million died because of this famine. Oh my god. And the subsequent years. So they said it lasted until like 52. But you got to see the majority of those people are dying in the early years. So 45, 46 is the majority of that million who died. And then another million left in the next 10 or so years. So in between 1841 and 1900... Six million Irish left. Oh my gosh! Well, then you've got no other option, right? You have no, you got no food. Yeah, and um, there's no food. There's no jobs. There's nothing. Yeah. So, for example, in 1845, the U.S. population was 20 million people, which is actually crazy that it was only just over double the population of Ireland, and then 80 million in 1901. So instead of having like the irish population the u.s quadrupled in size and so most of the irish people that you know in the united states so, so there's actually more irish people in the united states than in ireland which is a stat i don't know if you've heard huh. before which no, is, i haven't heard that but i believe it yeah which is kind of weird because you're like how, how irish are they they're half irish maybe that counts people who are half irish doesn't matter <laughs> But, um, we're not we're not gonna get into we're not gonna get into to race or ethnicity here. Yeah, yeah. If you if you think you're Irish, you're Irish. You're Irish. Yeah, and you know what? This is a great point to remind everyone. Go ahead and crack open a nice crack a Guinness. Why don't you? Yeah, crack. Damn, I wish I had a Guinness. Because the the Irish love their Guinness. They're good at it. I've heard people <laughs> stories of people visiting. Dublin, say, and their bars. I don't know if they have closing times, but they'll almost tap the Guinness kegs on, say, a Saturday night, and then suddenly a dude rolls in another couple Guinness kegs from down the street that were just left over. This is, like, recently, and they'll bring in a couple more kegs, and they'll be like, oh, we're not closing. This is at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. <laughs> um, Damn, that's incredible. So, yeah, I mentioned that... 45, 46, 75% of the potatoes are destroyed. Um, it, the, the way people die in famines also, 
The majority died from typhus, dysentery, scurvy, edema, or edema, I, forgot, I don't know how to pronounce that, and then marasmus. These are all uh, malnourishment deaths. So that's another mm-hmm. one. People say, well, they didn't starve. Like, a lot of people didn't starve to death, but they died of malnutrition, which is just, you know, it's kind of annoying. Like, oh, like... It's pretty much the it's same just thing. It pisses me off that people will say that. Yeah, and so um, second year, 75% ruined. There was a guy named Peel in 45, October, where he was the... Uh, English parliament leader in charge of kind of like, I don't know if he was in charge of Ireland specifically. I'm sure he had more duties or whatnot, but he ended up importing 100,000 pounds of grain from North America. Uh, Weird thing about that, too, they had this thing called the Corn Laws, and I guess Peel repealed the Corn Laws temporarily. And then the next guy to come in in 46 brought them back. And the Corn Laws stated basically that um, you couldn't import grain of better quality than that that was imported to England, if you will. So starting in 45, they started importing grain and corn, but they imported a bunch of shitty corn that needed to be milled down and basically, like, baked to eat. And people... So it was, like, inedible. People would so also die from eating this corn that was, like, little rocks. Wow. Uh, peel, so Peel, the 45, that was 100,000 pounds, which also is nowhere near enough to feed 8 million people. Yeah, just 50,000 tons. And, and each family each family eats 12 tons of potatoes a year. Yeah, and uh, Peel apparently... Uh, so he he was having tons of problems with the Irish par- or the English Parliament, and due to partly due to the issues that he was having relating to the famine, ended up resigning, or that he didn't put in the effort to win the next year, and so Russell was the man who inherited the issue, and then Russell's main uh, I don't know. Uh, guy who brings him advice if you will is this trevelyan fella and trevelyan is as i mentioned earlier he was in the song that brought us in not a good guy he's the one that will visit ireland they'll go and eat food with the richest people and probably only visiting north ireland anyways or go down to a rich little landowner's house and be like oh so what's what's the issue here like, oh, there's no issue. These guys are just lazy. They don't want to eat and not really get into the <laughs> like the worst investigative journalism you can possibly do. Yeah. Another prevailing belief at this time, too. So this is industrial revolution. A lot of people believed, especially within the English government, for whatever reason, that the main reason for famines were overpopulation and that the English should do minimal things to correct this. Oh, like just let them die off? Just let them die. It's a natural correction. Oh my God. Craziest fact is that 60% of the food 
produced in Ireland at this time. So I mentioned everyone only eats potatoes, but then that 60% that they produce is exported. So that's so that's what I had thought. I had always heard that they grew a lot of different stuff, but they had to send it all to England. Mm-hmm. So like the the Irish grew vegetables and a bunch of other stuff, but the British just took it all. Yep. And then all they had left to eat were potatoes, and that's why the blight happened. Exactly. That, that's what yeah, that's what I had heard. That it's just like the British are extracting all that they can, whether that's people or food or whatever. It's just like a resource grab. Yeah. The um, <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 sad. I've read accounts too. So. In 45, they imported this 100,000 pounds of grain, and there would be ships, say, uh, the United States. A lot of Irish in the United States would donate for the Irish in Ireland, but one Mm -hmm. of the best avenues or one of the avenues that they knew how was to donate through, say, the Catholic Church. And apparently, the Catholic Church would kind of like appropriate the funds elsewhere and then send what was left over to ireland or say people would donate two ships of grain and those two ships carrying grain would see say six ships leaving with the same type of grain they'd say yeah what the fuck's going on why are they exporting their grain well they had no choice once it's it's like this collective thing where the landlords collect all of this and then ship it off and even so even during the famine they're 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 shipping out all their food yes and so what happens is these people that don't have anything else to eat they'll go and okay well we have a couple cows we have some pigs and we have this you know wheat that we can eat they'd eat that and then get evicted and they couldn't bring anything else with them They'd get evicted or possibly even charged with thievery. So you're stealing Mm -hmm. your landlord's crop. You're stealing your landlord's livestock. Eviction and then maybe even deport. So this time, so it mentioned in the song about being on a prison ship. So where did the English send people (laughs) on prison ships? To Australia. They got sent to Australia. Yeah, and it's oh shit. It's funny too because nowadays you think of Australia as this awesome place, but in the 1800s it was not. It was just it was the it was like the Wild West, but a penal colony. Yeah, you just work yourself to yeah. death. The other options were you get evicted and then you go and like you're homeless. So one of the ways they would evict people is they would tear the roof off their houses. Most of the people, most of the people built their own house. A lot of them were just stone houses that ended up being too difficult to tear down. So they just pull the roof off. Wow. And uh, especially in 18... You come home from work like, honey, I'm home. What the... What the fuck? (laughs) What happened to the roof? Where'd you put the roof? She's like, they took it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, in 45, 1845 as well, they noticed this unrest and started uh, stationing a bunch of British troops or uh, English troops in sizable towns and they'd use the troops to go and evict people and sometimes the troops would go 
they have nothing. We can't do this. They would refuse, sometimes being court-martialed, and eventually, of course, the people that lived there would be evicted. They had nowhere else to go. They'd go and live in ditches and stuff, and then the soldiers would be sent to kick them out of those ditches. It's like, where do you go to live? And a lot of this, um, I don't know if it's like, how how can you even pay for passage to America? Yeah, when you have nothing, you have, when you live in a ditch. That's what I wonder too. It's like, how did they even like get maybe you to end the up United being States? like an, you end up becoming like an an indentured servant, almost like a slave. Yeah, or something. I'm sure I'm sure that happened. Or like, you know, you get if you're a young woman, you probably get taken advantage of. Yeah, like I'm sure I'm sure it's much more cutthroat than we can ever imagine. Yeah. Um, so there's not, yeah, there's no other jobs to have. There's nothing you can really do. At the end of the day, these people would get evicted. There is also something called high farming. So there's records. It doesn't, it's nowhere near as cool as it sounds. It's not high farming like you might think. (laughs) It's, it's basically this method of transforming the land so a lot of it's rocky, but they would do these, you know, like few year long periods where all of the codiers would just terraform the land into being a like being able to farm sheep or just different types of livestock. And then after they transformed all of this land, they just get evicted because the landlord's like, oh, I need a ton less labor now. Um, huh. Yeah, Jesus. So, I mentioned, like, the penal penal laws, and there was also something called the poor law. Uh, I believe it was under the penal laws. So, 1834, under the uh, British poor law um, that was enacted in Ireland, the able-bodied indignant indigent indignant Indigent? Indigent. Yeah. Indigent were sent to workhouses rather than being given famine relief um, by the British government. Uh, that was all like limited to loans too. So you can move into a workhouse, but then there's a loan attached to it. Uh, <laughs> so you're still, you're still paying. Yeah. And those loans and went into fund the soup kitchens where they would eat. Uh, and providing like employment on the road and other public works. So the British disliked the cornmeal so much that they would rather like the soup kitchens serve this cornmeal shit. And also there are terrible like work conditions in the workhouses. So a lot of people would just die because they're working with a bunch of malnourished people and diseases spread, spread yeah. rampant. There's barely any, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Like cleaning. It's very, uh, unsanitary environment. So that's where a lot of the other Irish that contributed to this whole million that died because of the famine, they'd go to these workhouses, still be indentured servants and then die there. And they, a lot of them would maybe go to a workhouse and say, this is almost worse than being homeless and hungry. And the workhouse is supposed to be the thing that saves your life, too. Yeah. It's supposed to be, like, the, the good option, the only option you have left. So, by 
1847. This was the stat that I wanted to find. Um, about 3 million of the Irish that are still in Ireland were receiving rations and soup kitchens. In kitchens. Um, so that's just around half of the Irish population is in these shitty conditions. They don't, they can't even farm their land anymore. They've been kicked off of the land that they were farming. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, yeah, it's, it's basically, all in all, the British sent about 8 million pounds of, in relief, but a lot of it got misappropriated, got put other places, maybe to build schools that only the richer Irish were able to go to. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I wrote here, the impoverished... Irish peasantry lacked the money to purchase foods. Their farms produced the food. They couldn't even buy the food that their farms produced. Continuing throughout the famine, they couldn't even buy their own meat that they raised on an English-owned wow. farm. But, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I just, it just, it sucks. Sorry if I'm, like, stumbling here, uh, no, I mean it's a it's a lot to get your head around too. Like, you know, it's it's just more of that taking advantage of like we had talked about. That's a crazy statement that you just said. They produce crops and they produce like meat and whatever at on their own farm. But because they're actual not landowners, they're tenants, they have to take all that food away. So it's like imagine you had a feast sitting right in front of you, but you couldn't eat it. Yeah. And you were starving. Yeah, and there's a possibility that you won't even just become evicted, but the household, like the man of the house will just be sent to Australia to go die in Australia. You'll never see your dad again. Probably the kids up until maybe even 12, if they're 12 years old, they may be tried as an adult and sent to Australia. And so there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of relief packages that were sent from other places, a lot of the money put elsewhere. There is one example, I don't know if you've heard this, a sultan uh, named Abdul Masid. He was an Ottoman ruler. Have you heard about this guy? No, I haven't. I haven't. So before that, the Queen Victoria sent 2,000 pounds sterling of her own money, quote unquote, her own money for relief which is equivalent to somewhere around $2 million today. And the Sultan pledged 10 million pounds sterling. And wow. Trevelyan and some of the other aides saw that he pledged that and said, you can't pledge more than the Queen. Ooh. So he had to lower it down to 1,000. They wouldn't let him send relief because he's lower than these people. 10 million or 10, 10,000, which is equivalent to, yeah, like $10 million today. Yeah. They go, sorry, the queen wow. donated 2,000 pounds. You can't do that. So he sent 1,000, then he sent secret, three secret ships filled with grain. And the, like, it was another, whenever his ships pulled up, they had to do it at night. It was a covert operation. And it was noted too, they were like, there's these other ships that are getting prepared with other food, but it's getting shipped out. 
that one just sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it definitely does. Another uh, another aid that was sent. Apparently, the Choctaw Nation, the United States, heard about what was going on, and they pulled uh-huh. together something like two hundred dollars. So one hundred and seventy dollars. I, I, so I have I have heard about that. Yeah, which is amazing to be like a Native American nation in America, and you've got your own problems, but you send aid to the Irish. Yeah, yeah, and again, so these conditions went on till the famine's considered to have gone on till 1852, but obviously Ireland didn't gain their independence for, I think it was till 1920s that they got their mm-hmm. independence. Um, maybe even after that, because I know the IRA was active in, say, the 50s, 60s. But it shows you, so something to see here, I mentioned the IRA, why were they committing all of these acts of injustice? I mean, they were blowing up pubs and things like that in mm-hmm. England. Yeah. And a lot of that is because their fathers, their grandfathers were treated truly atrociously. They were treated like not even second class, but third class citizens. I mentioned the Trevelyan guy treated the Indians that they were also occupying much better than the Irish. And tons of it goes back to, oh, they're Catholic. They're somehow subhuman mm-hmm. compared to us. Yeah. Wow. But So uh, I, I had the fact checkers look it up here. It looks like from the Act of Union on January 1st, 1801 until December 6th, 1922, the island of Ireland was actually a part of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. Yeah, so so it looks like you know they they really, what we now think of as Ireland formed um, in nineteen twenty two, and I see what you I see it here too as well. During the Great Famine, uh, the island's population of over eight million fell by thirty percent. That's just wow. It's a damn shame, and it it constant um, population decline shows too. I don't know if the listeners have seen the. Irish support for, say, Palestine or different conflicts throughout the world. But the Irish kind of understand what it's like being a oppressed peoples, and they've held yeah. on to it. And, say, the Choctaw donated this, quote-unquote, small 170 bucks, which is something around two grand nowadays. But... They, they were Native Americans in the 1800s. They had nothing as well. And the Irish mm-hmm. have remembered this and since donated tons of money to Native Americans, which is hilarious how it's like, oh, that is wild. it's like across this ocean, they're like, hey, we understand what you're going through. You're an oppressed peoples. And the same with the, uh, so part of the Sultan as well, that's part of the reason that the Irish understand this struggle for say like palestinian independence whatever your side on the issue is they understand what it's like being oppressed um yeah and the impacts of the irish potato famine they go till today i mentioned the population of ireland hasn't reached what it was in the 1800s 
That's just insane to me. Wow. That is, that is, and it probably, at this point, it probably never will. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like Western European countries are, their populations aren't really growing, you know? Yeah. Even, uh, something I included as well, something to see the experience for an Irish coming to the United States. In 1844, there was a, a bunch of riots in Philadelphia and they burned, <laughs> they burned a bunch of Catholic churches um, there was like a order of the star spangled banner, which turned into the know nothings. If you've ever heard of that in American mm-hmm. history, oh, yeah. just very anti-Catholic, anti-Irish, probably a bunch of people who later yeah, joined the KKK. Very, anti, very anti-immigrant. So that makes sense why that would be anti-Irish. If you've got a lot of Irish coming here. Yeah. Wow. So... I'll I'll say it. It's not a cozy topic. No, no. It really makes me sympathize with the Irish people, and, and that point you made about how they sympathize with Palestine and how they still remember like the donation from the Choctaws. You know, it makes me have a lot of admiration for Ireland. They 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 really have a a really good cultural memory about a lot of this stuff. It seems like they do. There's uh, I've never been to Ireland, but apparently there's a lot of um statues and memorials for the famine that are apparently real beautiful if you guys want to look them up right now there's different ones in different cities but uh something that is remembered for them so yeah and it's something for you to remember as well that this wasn't the irish doing this was completely imposed on them which is not Mm -hmm. cozy but what comes from this are a lot of cozy people i know there was one um the irish were allowed like one parliament person during some point in this Mm -hmm. i think it was during the 40s maybe in the 50s but uh there were englishmen that were also in parliament who were rich slave owners and this is around the time that the english uh abolished slavery 1834 so this must have been like post-slavery um mm-hmm. indentured servitude laws but the rich parliament were mentioning hey they're looking at this mp that was sent from ireland hey if you go backwards on the slavery stance because he was one of the biggest abolitionists if you go backwards i think his name was like john mitchell or something like that then we will send more aid to ireland they were just trying to twist his arm on it. And he was like, oh, wow. Like the the slavery question is too great. And like, even though it brings, there's a quote from him. It was hard to find, so I won't be able to now. But he was like, yeah, the slavery question is something that like eats away at my heart. And even till now, um, you know, it's painful because I'm looking at my own people starving. But I know that there's only one way to go on this decision. And so... He voted to, like, continue abolition, continue, uh, I don't know, we'd call it, it was like reconstruction period for us, assimilating formerly enslaved people that they asked him to go back on. They're like, hey, we'll give you some more food. That's pretty incredible. He was like, I can't do it. Uh, Also, there's quotes from Frederick Douglass, where he's like, yeah, the... 
Irish people, <laughs> I understand the plight of the Irish people because I was a slave myself. And I see, I don't know if he said slavery specically, but conditions like that happening in Ireland, which brings that a little... That says it all. Yeah. That's, that, says, that says everything about the situation when Frederick Douglass is, on, is comparing it to his situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you to our listeners. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, Austin. Great topic. I hadn't really thought about it uh, in those terms before, so yeah, it was really well put. It's a it's the correct way to see it, in my opinion. But you all <laughs> can make your own decision. But after the amount of research I did, I'll go ahead and say the famine not cozy, but uh, not cozy at all. But something that, something that's good to talk about. It's good to it's good to remember it and talk about it. Yeah. Thank you all, and uh, stay cozy.